0: The service a little differently because we wanted to announce some new members that have decided to uh, join with us, and so they have completed the membership process. And so I wanted to announce that, and and I wanted you to cheer for them as they stand. And so um, before I read through this list, um, connection to a local body of Christ followers was the norm of the New Testament. Christians didn't just float around unless they were being sent somewhere to do something, like start start a work, start a church, or go with a group to do that. And so there was really... By the way, I'm sick, so my voice is... Really? I'm going through changes, let's just say. So anyway. So, just... (laughs) There it is. But there is really an implication in the New Testament that Christians were connected somewhere. And so we follow in that. And so we make membership a pretty big deal in our church. It helps us accomplish more as a church when we work together. And so would you stand if you're here and then remain standing? Uh, Christina. Uh, There it is. You heard it. (laughs) Christina, Bryce, Burdett. I'm just going to read through this list. Bryce Burdett. Stay standing. Uh, Shelby Krieger, Marie King, Chris Wachowski. O'Neil Cowan, Daniel Kari, John, and Andrea Nichols, Rachel Lewis, and Molly Greer. Um, Some were in the first service, and so for those of you that are here, welcome. <laughs> really glad you guys have begun this process with us. And uh, I want to, as you're standing, I'd like to pray for you and uh, invite you all to to join me in prayer. I'm actually going to pray Paul's prayer over the Church of Ephesus. He prayed this. Uh, for a church in modern-day Turkey, and so I'd like to pray this for you as well. This is from Ephesians chapter 3. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, God, that out of your glorious riches, you might strengthen this group with power through your Spirit in their inner being. So that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And God, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power that they may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, I thank you for this group. As Just as Paul prayed, Lord, it's a family unit, and so, Lord, we thank you for the decision they have um, come to to join with our church family. I pray you bless them and use them here, God, to accomplish your kingdom purposes. Lord, I pray that um, as they just, you know, continue on with um, this process, Lord, that we would learn more about them, how you've wired them, and Lord, that they would be able to uh, understand more about their gifting and just uh, the needs of the church body, and Lord, that they would step in and meet needs, and they would also, over time, be able to use the gifts that you've given to them, God, to strengthen the whole church. And so, Lord, we thank you for this group, for all of us that are here, Lord, right now. We just pray you'd... Open our eyes to your truth, Lord. Help us to hear very clearly from you this morning. We ask that you would remove all distractions, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Also, I wanted to congratulate, we have um, several graduates. And I don't know if they're all here, but we have some graduates. And so if you graduated college yesterday, uh, would you stand? We'd like to cheer for you. So, congratulations. Did we have anybody that um, finished on Friday night, maybe got a master's degree? Anybody? No? Okay. Well, congratulations, all of you graduates. That's great. That's a big, big accomplishment. And so it was a hot day at the graduation yesterday, for those of you who were there. It was a like two-and-a-half-hour-long in-the-hot-sun experience. So my family was in a cafe for a portion of it, drinking Coke and eating donuts. But we came out. Celebrate with you all. That's our secret when we go to graduations. We have three kids, so anyway, enough about all that. We are in the middle of a series called "It's a Fight." We're looking at the spiritual battle that Christ followers uh, engage in, and we we really wrestle in this world with a lot of different problems and challenges. And there's a constant fight that we're facing, and there's a theme of warfare and a fight in the Bible. So if you get in the Scripture, you start recognizing, wow, there's a lot of aggressive language here. There's soldiers and you're at war and, and you're to wear armor and all of this stuff. And so we're looking at all of this together. What you find out in the Bible is there is a great war that has been that is being fought still, but it began sometime after the seventh day of creation where God said all was good. Sometime after He declared all was good Satan rebelled, and there was a heavenly. He led in a heavenly rebellion, and Satan led because of pride, exalting himself, and he was cast out of heaven, along with followers, people that also rebelled with him, or not people, angels that rebelled with him, and so he was given authority or, or freedom to roam and tempt and deceive, and so when that happened, there was a deception of Eve. The temptation of Adam and Adam and Eve fell, they gave way to sin. And when they chose to sin, God had told them before they sinned, You will manage and rule the earth. This will be your responsibility. You're to you're to have dominion. You're to be in charge over this earth. And when that when sin entered the world and Adam and Eve rebelled, the authority shifted from them to Satan. Satan now became ruler over this world. And so what he's doing What he's done from that point on, he's blinded humanity from learning about the truth of God. So he's like, put the blinders over our world and over people. And so at a certain point in time, God, at the perfect point in time, God sent his son Jesus to this earth. And that was the turning point in the war. Major turning point in the war. Jesus offered up his life willingly. He was a perfect sacrifice. He died to pay the sin of your and my rebellion. The sin of the whole world people who have lived before us, people that will live. He died to pay the penalty for our rebellion. And through his death and then his resurrection, he conquered sin, death, and the devil. The enemy still works. Satan still works. He still has tremendous power in this world. We talked about this war. And I'd invite you to check out our website, because I walked through for about 20 minutes last week about that whole war. And so if you're interested in learning more about what the Bible says, check that out. It's on our website. Um, But the victory has been won, but there's a war still going. The turning point already occurred on the cross, but still there is a war for the souls of those who've yet to follow Christ. And so if you decide to follow Christ, now you'll spend eternity with, with the Lord in heaven. But for those that decide to continue to go their own way in life, part of our mission as a church is to, in a sense, be on a rescue mission. To recognize that at one point I was going my own way in life. Someone reached out, shared their life with me, shared their faith with me, and decided to follow Christ. God was working through people. And there's this process of God calling us to Himself and drawing us to Him. And But we join in the process. The church, Christ followers, get to join in that process. And so there's this, still this war going on. And so we sense we're in a battle. We're in a fight. There's a lot of struggles we face. Um... A spiritual fight requires training and focus. Just like a physical trainer needs to focus and get you disciplined and all of that, our spiritual training requires focus as well. Look what Paul writes to Timothy in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. An old seasoned warrior, a spiritual warrior, he passes this wisdom down to a younger, upcoming church leader. And he tells this man who would later lead in one of those churches, he said to Timothy, Have nothing to do with godless myths, old wives' tales. There was a lot of lies that were being propagated in the early church. There was false teachers sharing lies about God. They were making things up that weren't in the Scripture. They went beyond on some areas. And so Paul, in this this verse, he's saying, look, you hear all these things that people are propagating, all these lies. Have nothing to do with those myths, those old wives' tales. Rather, he says, train yourself to be godly. He says, look, don't get sidetracked. Lock on to the truth, focus on the truth, don't get sidetracked. Train yourself to be godly. Paul often he would use these athletic analogies in order to drive home a point about focus, because athletes have to focus. And so he says the Christian life it's it requires precision and focus and discipline and routine. And so he says this for physical training, you know, anytime we physically train, it's of some value. The the translation here in the New International Version, it says some value. That's actually a generous translation because it actually literally just reads for physical training is for little. So there's, there's a little bit of value, some value. But don't think some value meaning a ton of value, some. Think a little bit of some. Just a little bit of value. Physical training is of some value. But godliness, it says, has value for all things. Anytime we train to be more godly, anytime we train and get into the Word of God and we pray... Have fellowship with others. Spiritual training has value for all things. Not just a little, but, but all things. Holding both promise for both the present life, this life that we're living, and the life to come. There's nothing in life that God doesn't have something to say about, either by direct instruction or by principle. There's, there's never a problem that i faced that I go... If I dig, if I, if I seek wise counsel, if I dig into the Bible, or if I seek wise counsel from people who know more and have walked with God longer, I've never hit a point where I, I just say, gosh, I, I, I don't know about that. Like, there's nothing. God seems to be silent. Even in the areas where God may appear to be silent, you can still think through the principles that He's laid out and say, well, I know this about Him. I know this about God. I know this about life. I know this about man. And you can kind of piece together by principle even, what God would want us to do in any given situation. Training for godliness impacts all of life. Every single thing that you're facing, your training in godliness can benefit that. But we're we're actually in a very serious battle with three very very dangerous enemies. We looked at this last week as well, but we have three enemies. The Bible says we, we, we battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. So this morning we're going to talk about the flesh. But battling against these different enemies requires understanding how they work, and then how do we actually defend against these enemies? One thing that all the all of the enemies require is serious spiritual training. If we decide, oh, I'm just going to take the Christian life seriously. Yeah, I've chosen to follow Christ, but and I'm going to heaven, and I'm excited about that, you know that that benefit, and I'm just going to do what I want to do though. I'm not going to get into the Word of God. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to really relate to other Christians or share my... I'm just going to take it easy and coast. For those who decide not to take their training seriously, they get beat up in this world. You lose the battle over and over and over again. Because the battle is serious. You have three enemies. And I want to show you a video clip here that illustrates someone who didn't take their training seriously. And if you apply this to our spiritual life, it's really eye-opening. If you just, if you coast in your spiritual training, you pay for it in, in, in this world. So, take a look. This is from Rocky. Rocky, he, he gets a little bit inflated in his thinking. And so, he starts making it about himself. And rather than taking his training seriously, he's making, he's making his training about getting praise from other people. And he pays for it in the ring. So, take, take a look.
1: They love him, Rick. I got it.
0: Four. He, he, he does survive, but he should have trained instead of snapping photos. You know, he's about to go against Clubber Lang. Was that his name? I think. You know, he's he's training against Mr. T, the guy who just pulverized others. And instead, he just he's making it about himself. Well, this is how we can approach our spiritual training too. It's not that big of a deal. It's just another ordinary day. It's just more relationships. It's just a parenting challenge. It's just marriage. It's just work. It's just this. We just get into the routine of doing life and, and we get busy. We get distracted from our training. And we get distracted and then we hit the challenge. We hit the, tempta- the temptation and we, we cave. We get beat up. Some of the temptation just makes us feel bad. But sometimes the temptations we cave into, there's long-lasting consequences. People get hurt. We get hurt. And so... If we're going to train, then we need to be thinking more long-term. Like, if It's going to take a steady, kind of a marathon approach to walk with God. Training in godliness has value for all things over a lifetime. And as you train, what develops in our lives is something called endurance, the ability to hang in there under pressure, to be able to hang in there, not step out of the boundaries that God has set around our lives, and just stay under the pressure that we face keep walking to keep trusting here's the enemy that we're facing though the enemy of the flesh the flesh is this it's the desire to sin that remains in us after true conversion is one of the our enemies that we can't just run away from because it's the old me it's the old me before i committed my life to christ so the old me is still in there the old desires still they still pull on my heart on my life the, the things that you were inclined towards before you decided to follow Christ, those things will likely come up again and, and you'll have to battle. The enemy of the flesh lies within us and so we can't just run away from this enemy because there I am again. The flesh just its part of me. I have, if I've decided to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to live within me, dwells within me. And at the same time, the old man The old me, the old sinful nature. So there's this tug of war going on. Now here's some things that you learn in the scripture. Romans chapter 7 verses 7 through 11. I wrote that in there. You can check this out later. But in summary, the flesh before conversion dominated us. Just the desire to get what we want and and to exalt ourselves into thinking we deserve to make our lives about getting what we want. That desire for our flesh, that dominated us before we came to Christ. That dominates all of human thinking. That this world is about me and getting what I want and deserving it because I exist. I'm here. That's, that's normal for our thinking. But then secondly, the flesh also before conversion. Knowledge of God's laws, like the more we learn about God's boundaries and God's ways and His, His laws for living, the more, that the, the more we know of His law, the more it stirs aggressive and rebellious action within us. It's like you tell a kid, all right, you know, Bobby, I don't want you to go in this room. This is the one room you can't go in in the house. Okay? Okay, Dad. <laughs> well, now all of a sudden, Bobby's so curious, fascinated with what's off limits. This, this is how our flesh works. God's laws has only, God's ways has only shown us, wow, that's off limits. And then we get start drawing towards what is off limits. Knowledge of his laws has only just stirred up more aggressive interest. And what he says is out of bounds. That was us before Christ. But then for some people, you decide to turn around, begin to follow the Lord, invite Jesus to come into your life. You're now a Christian, possibly. I'm saying possibly because I realize a lot of people have not yet decided to follow Christ that are here. But if you've decided to make that decision to follow Christ, after conversion, your flesh, the old you, the old sinful nature is still in operation. Here's some things about it. You get this out of Romans chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5. The flesh first, it dominated, or its dominion over us has been broken. In the past, it dominated us. Now the power has been broken. It's still strong. It's still strong. Look at, it's still a potent force, and we can still yield to it. There's still this strong pull toward certain things, desires from the past. Inside of us, the flesh opposes the Holy Spirit is another thing. There's a war going on. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says that the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with one another. So there's this tug of war going on in our hearts. We battle internally. And the net effect of this entire war is that we often do not do what we should do. Oftentimes we cave to the wrong things, the old things, the old ways. Warfare, and you may get discouraged when sometimes we think about the flesh and how, why is it that God didn't just wipe that all out of me and then just make me perfect now? You know, why? And That's a great question to ask Him. But the power of sin is being loosened, or it's, it's, it's being... The grip that it had, it's already been broken. So the penalty of sin is done at the cross. But the power of sin is something we battle in this in this life. And that power over sin will be completely done and gone at our death or at the return of Christ. So whether we meet Him because we've died or He returns... That's when the power of sin and the pull towards the flesh will be gone. But there's still this strong pull, and we can get discouraged and think, man, why is it still happening? Why, I must be, you know, we start filling in the blanks of, I must be this, I must be that, or I must not be a Christian. Well, warfare in our lives is, is, is actually evidence that you've become really a Christ follower. If you're battling, that actually means that the Holy Spirit moved in and the flesh is still in operation. There's this war. Warfare just reveals that you're truly a believer. If we're just constantly caving into things that God says is out of bounds, and we feel nothing at all wrong with that, that's when you begin to wonder, well, maybe I didn't understand what it meant to become a Christian. If you've never yet decided to follow Christ, that Discovering Faith dinner that Scott had mentioned, um, you can sign up for that on the back of this white card. It, it, it would be a great place to learn more about what it means to follow Christ and to really nail down that decision. But here's what the Bible teaches about conquering the flesh. This is going to be a lifelong battle. The power of sin, it will lose its grip upon death, like I said, or Christ's return. But here's the first thing. Avoid useless efforts. Legalistic, useless efforts. Sometimes we just think we can wall ourselves off from sin. We'll just barricade ourselves in some sort of a bubble that will keep us from falling and from sinning. For those of you who are students at California Baptist University, I sometimes refer to that as the bubble. Because if you're without a vehicle, you can kind of wall yourselves off from the world around you. From the real world. With all of these other different pressures that are coming at you. And so when I was a college student at Cal Baptist, it was very easy for me to just surround myself with all myself with all things Christian. But then when I'd go home for the summer, I'd find that my flesh would pull me back to the things. And, and they weren't necessarily available. They were available, but it was a little easier to wall myself off from things in the past. And so, you know, we can do all sorts of things that are really useless efforts, which could be just legalistic approaches to trying to be free. It takes more than just walling off temptation. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't just think, I'm going, to, I'm going to build a bubble. I'm going to wear a long dress. And I'm not going to do that ever, but you know, some people will, will do useless efforts related to clothing, related to church attendance. If I just, if I just always there, I never miss anything, then I'll start doing better. We're gonna wall ourselves off from the world. I'm gonna put my my family in only things that are Christian. I'm gonna live in this bubble and just, well, it, it, it turns out to be useless. And here's what we're really told to do. It's Related to the Spirit, walking in and by the Holy Spirit. This is how we conquer the flesh. It's not just walling ourselves off from the world, but learning to walk in the Spirit. It means to live continuously in the realm of the Holy Spirit's desires and resources. So Paul writes in in Galatians 5, he says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He says, live by, be ruled, in a sense, by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And then in verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We're to just keep on walking in the Spirit, depending on the Holy Spirit for guidance and for power, to keep in step with Him. If He leads us in a certain direction through the Word of God, and He says, let's say if you get into the Word of God, you start reading the Bible, He's going to lead you in a certain path. It's to stay in step with Him in that path. But the Spirit doesn't just automatically, the Holy Spirit doesn't just automatically operate in a believer's heart. He waits to be depended upon. He waits. You're not a puppet. And you know this because we give in to our flesh. But to walk in the Spirit, here's, want to define this a little further. To walk in the Spirit, first, we need to spend time regularly in what He gave to strengthen us. There's four things that I want to highlight here. And you're going to fill in, I want you to draw this diagram that you see coming up here. These are the resources that we have been given to be strengthened by God. And whenever we use these resources, we find more power to keep obeying. These actions, they feed, it's like they feed the Holy Spirit, his food, and strengthens his power in our life. Four things the Word. The Word is the first one. As you spend time in the Bible, it strengthens you. As you read, and God shows you something specific the Holy Spirit, He pulls our heart towards those things. Hey, you should do that. You should apply that. You should obey that. And as He leads, it's keeping in step, meaning He says you should do that. The thing you just learned, there's this pull. You take a step. You keep in step with Him. And He shows us something new. I'm going to lead you here. You keep in step with Him. You keep responding to the Word of God. Second thing is prayer. It's another resource. It's cooperating with the Word of God and then praying to God. Prayer is really communication with God, just like you would talk to anyone else. Just talk to God about what's really in your, in your mind, on your heart, what you're processing. Talk to Him about what's important to you. Talk to Him about what's important to Him as well. Another thing is fellowship. Spending time with other Christ followers. Spending time encouraging people intentionally. Opening your life up to others and letting people share their life with you and challenge you. And, and even, even at times correct, hold accountable. Fellowship is very important. This is one of the resources that God's Holy Spirit gets fed by when we do. And then power to obey further grows from there. Evangelism is another one. Just sharing our faith with others. It's an activity that is very awkward at times to open up about such a private matter of our lives. But as we do that, again, the Holy Spirit, it feeds it feeds Him, it strengthens us to obey further. In a way, it's kind of like dealing with food cravings. If you If you're... You know, if you're trying to break a craving, you have to fill up on some other things. Or, I've been told, because sometimes I think, man, I wish I just wouldn't eat so fast or eat so much. I'll go sit down to eat. Someone says, well, drink a big, tall glass of water. Because what that does is it fills you up with something else before you start eating. And, and in the same way as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and Scripture promises, if you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, walk in His ways, you don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature there's this, I'm filling my life up with something else. Another thing, also to walk in the Spirit, we need to rely, to rely on His ministry to us in temptation. He wants to come alongside and strengthen us when we're struggling, when we're feeling tempted. So look at what it says in Romans six eleven. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Keep counting yourself. It actually would read in the original link. Keep counting yourselves dead to sin. But, in a sense, keep counting yourself alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just when you're tempted, acknowledge, I'm not under absolute dominion of this struggle, of this sin. I don't have to give in here. I'm dead to this. The difficult thing in temptation is we disengage our mind and we just get into the motion of doing what we used to do. And so it's, it's raining in our minds and saying, you know, I'm dead to this. I'm alive to God in Christ. This is part of the past. I don't have to cave to that anymore. He promises to help. Look at the promise he makes. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's like, call for help. He says, call to me for help when you're tempted. This is not an uncommon temptation. People have been struggling with this For centuries. You know he says, "Call to me for help, you're not beyond help. You're not the one person who 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 can't be helped. Start by swinging the sword calling calling bringing to your mind the things that you know about God's truth, whether it's opening up the scripture or whether it's just calling things from memory. Look at some of these verses. These are some great verses to write down related to anger. James verse chapter one verses nineteen through twenty memorize this verse." On anger. If this is a struggle, if at times you feel like I'm getting pulled back towards this, write down James one nineteen through twenty. Put this write it down. When you're struggling, pull it out of your pocket and read this out loud. Memorize it. Call it to mind. Here's another one on sexual sin, first Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen through twenty. And again there's these verses that God provides to strengthen us so that when we're facing temptation, we can call to God and say, God, I need your help. This is what you said. My body's not my own. I'm being pulled towards this thing that's out of bounds. My body's not my own. I've embodied a price. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, remind me of that truth as I'm battling. Remind me of this truth as I'm getting angry. Lord, help me to deal with this in a way that you would want. Or greed. Matthew six twenty four. God, I've yielded to you as Master. Help me not to keep yielding to... Help me not to get wishy-washy on my commitment here. Help me to serve you and not just the desire for more. Or jealousy. There's all sorts of things we could put up here, but these are just a few. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. As you, as you call these things to mind when you're being tempted, and you have to you actually have prepared. That's why we're talking about spiritual training. Before you battle, you have to memorize some things, or you have to at least write them down and know where you can find what you need to call to mind in the midst of the battle. Third thing, take practical steps to deal with sin. Take practical steps. Here's what Paul lays out. He lays out a plan. It almost sounds like a laundry list to get rid of. Take off this old, dirty clothes. Put on these new, clean clothes. Look at what he says. This is in uh, Colossians 3, verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's the flesh, the earthly nature. Put to death. Stick a knife in these things. Get rid of them. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. He says, because of all these things, the wrath of God is coming. Get rid of them. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. These things dominated us before, he's saying. But now, but now, there's been a turning point. He says, now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, here's more of the dirty laundry. Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. He says, get rid of all these things. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off. You took off your old self. You changed those clothes. You realize that was dirty. That's the old practices. You've put on, now he says, the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Skip down to verse 12. It says, Therefore is God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That phrase right there is very important. God chose. He's making us holy. He's cleaning us up. He's setting us apart for a purpose. Clothe yourself, he says. This is the new clothes. This is the clean clothes to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other and forgiving whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, he says, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. When my life is dominated by the new self, when it's dominated by compassion and kindness and humility, there's very little time for me to gratify the old fleshly desires. If I'm really set on compassion and kindness and serving and love, and I don't have a ton of time. Now, it doesn't mean that the flesh isn't there. But if I'm really giving myself to those things, I put that stuff on, then, I, then it's much more difficult for me to be distracted, to gratify the desires of my flesh. It's not just about removing things. It's about replacing things. So it's not removing. Don't just, that's bad. That's bad. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't lust. I shouldn't get angry. I shouldn't. Bad. Bad. It's not about that. It's about actually recognizing what I need to replace and say, I need to do that. That's good. That's good. And the more I do that, the more compassionate I am towards others. Again, that fuels the Holy Spirit and strengthens the power for me to obey in the future. Finally, last thing, if we sin, and when we do, confess it. Receive God's forgiveness and ask Him to fill you again. Don't just be disappointed when you sin. Sometimes we sin and we think, man... Such a mess up. We start beating up on ourselves. Why, I'm such a failure. I can't believe I did it again. And I've done that hundreds and hundreds. When am I going to get past this? How could I do it? Whenever we just get, just get disappointed in ourselves, what we do is we reveal that we're trusting in ourselves. We're trying to use our own resources to have victory over the flesh. Disappointment alone is a mark of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness also. We start beating up ourselves. We think we are better than that. The truth is we're not. So John tells us what to do when we sin. Verse John, 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful. If we just say, God, this was wrong. Got into that again. God, that's wrong. You forgive me of for that. I agree with you. It's wrong. You're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Rebauchery means living a wild, kind of reckless life. And what he's saying is don't get drunk to the point to where you're out of control. Don't, don't drink so much that you're out of control because the issue's control, he's saying. He says, be filled. Instead, we've got to be filled with the Spirit. We want Him to control us, Him to lead us. But we need to, as we wrap things up, we need to just keep going after the area of the flesh in these ways. Keep dealing with the flesh repeatedly and continually. It's kind of like a lawn. You know, you've got to mow your lawn constantly, and you're like, man, when is this thing ever going to get in control and stop growing? Well, some people buy the artificial turf, and you just need to walk around with a blower, I guess, and blow the leaves off. But if you have a natural lawn, and you've got to cut the thing, not be sloppy about it, but then you have to keep cutting the thing. and Keep cutting it. It has to be done often, otherwise a jungle crops up, and then you've got you know, that on your hands, and that's a big pain. This is the same way with battling our flesh. It's an enemy that's not going away, so we have to keep on dealing with it continually, repeatedly. Whatever you decide to feed will win. If you feed the flesh, it starts getting more control. If you start feeding the Holy Spirit by using the resources He's provided, you're giving Him more control to operate, strengthen you to actually keep obeying. Whatever you feed wins. Now, for those of us that have decided to follow Christ, <clears throat> our lives have been bought and paid for. We're headed to heaven. We can sure make a mess of things this side of heaven if we just decide, I'm going to just give into my flesh. I'm going to get lazy on my training. I'm not going to focus on growing to be more godly. You get beat up in life. And so our encouragement is to take this area seriously. As the band comes up and the ushers are prepare actually, we're actually going to, I have something else come up in a moment. So take out that white card, our connection card, and these next steps. There's three next steps I want to draw your attention to. The first one is check with, check in with so-and-so for accountability. This might be something. If God has brought something to mind about just the battle, in, internal battle that you're facing, if God has brought something specific to mind, maybe consider opening up with a mature and trusted f- friend for the sake of accountability for prayer. Secondly, Put off blank and put on blank. For the next month, you might focus on putting to death one old sinful pattern that you're just, you're, you're, you recognize it, keep you keep giving into and you're going to give it some focused attention, to deal with that, to put it to death. Now, it's not just to stop doing it and saying, okay, I'm going to avoid it altogether. It really is to make a conscious decision and ask God for His help to put this area to death, but then to replace it, to put on something new. So to focus on maybe one of those areas out of Colossians chapter 3. Maybe take out one thing from Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 through 14, and add one thing. Maybe it's compassion. Just asking God, help me to be compassionate. Lord, help me to grow in the way I feel, concern for other people, the way that moves me to action, and to really caring about them. And I'm just going to focus for this month on growing to be more compassionate. And Lord, I'm going to give a lot of time to that area of compassion. In this old struggle, Lord, I'll keep asking you to put that to death. But I'm going to primarily focus on putting on this, this other area of the new self. Let's go to the Lord as we pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word. Lord, how it is perfect. Lord, you are, you've been so good to us, Lord, to 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 guide us through this life Lord that we don't have to just do this on our own without a guide without a plan Lord you've given us the Bible you've placed the Holy Spirit inside of us Lord to lead us to pull us towards the things the right kinds of things Lord we just ask you to strengthen us Lord for those that are battling with the flesh even right now God I pray you give them victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ help help us to put on the new self. Help us to put on these things that you are asking us, Lord, to apply to our lives. And keep putting to death the ways of the past. We love you. We need your help. We thank you for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I've invited Bruce to come up, and he's going to share with you about an opportunity that we have as a congregation.
2: All right. I have Chelsea Wilson come on up here as well. Um... You may know Chelsea Wilson, and she's, uh, she's been a part of our church for just under two years. She, uh, you may have served with her in the kid zone or on the refreshments team, and she's been in small groups as well. But uh, we're bringing her up because she is about to leave on a two-year missionary program through the International Mission Board. It's called Journeyman. And we've had a few other ladies do this program as well in the past few months. You may have seen them. And uh, basically, we just want to let you know what she's doing And uh, just because the reason we take a few minutes to to highlight uh, Chelsea and some of the others is that um, ladies and and men come through our church and and get plugged in and uh, become members and experience a lot of growth in in the family and the body here. And so we want to just be able to communicate uh, what's going on in her life so you can support her. And, And just as a church body, we can really encourage her as she goes out in the next couple of years. So today's actually her last Sunday. Um, she goes home for a little, uh, a little bit of a break and then heads to training and heads out into uh, a specific region in South Asia. Um, you can't tell exactly where it is just for her protection and the protection of the missionaries that she's working with. So I'll have you uh, share about what you're doing. Uh, before you do, just tell us why um, you would do something, you know, <laughs> leave America, you know, the United States for two years in a place that would be really difficult, have to learn language and, and kind of struggle through some things. What, what's the motivation behind that?
1: Um, Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's not just like, I'm just feel like moving to South Asia. Um, uh, In 2010, this is a picture from when I went to South Asia, um, I had an opportunity to go for three weeks. And and I just experienced what it was like there. And I just saw um, so much lostness and so much of people who didn't have any hope and weren't living with hope, and they hadn't had an opportunity to hear um, the gospel. And so and, uh, we see in John, it talks about the harvest being plentiful, but the workers are being few, and to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And that really became a reality, reality to me when I went and saw the harvest and saw um, that we hear about it, but just even seeing it and seeing that, people really were like living and dying without hope um, was kind of a wake-up call to me. I mean, one of the believers there, the nationals, um, they said, before you came, I never heard about Jesus. And when I heard the story of Jesus, I knew it was true. And for me, that kind of was really shocking to know that people um, haven't had the opportunity to hear about Jesus and, the gospel and his grace and his love. And I mean when they do hear it, they know it's true and they're ready to accept it and receive it and become um, brothers and sisters and become um, believers and live with hope. And so um, that to me was just really shocking and just seeing the reality of that. And seeing that these people were ready to become believers, like when they heard it, they knew it was true, but no one was telling them. And so I know the gospel, and I know the story of Christ and his love, and um, and there's nothing holding me back from going. And um, my prayer has been ever since when I went in 2010 that if the Lord continued to um, put these people on my heart and open doors, that I'd continue to walk towards the direction of going back for however long he asked me to um and be obedient to that and it's been cool to see over the last few years how he's been so faithful um it hasn't been easy and there's been a lot of times a lot of fears and a lot of doubts that um have caused me to question if this is really what I'm supposed to be doing right now like I just graduated I could go do other things or do higher education and you know leaving behind family and friends and my nephew who was just born it's it's hard to look at that and leave those things, but knowing that the Lord's going to be faithful as he has been and just seeing that. And so, and um, that's why I'm going, um, because I think it's something he's really affirmed and continue as I've daily surrendered that to him. He's daily, um, affirm that. And, um, so I have a lot of clarity and affirmation that now is the time to go, um, for two years and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, it'll be continually just taking the next step. Um, also, um, of those dying every day in the region I'm going to, only 37 of 10,500 know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And so there's an urgency to that as well, um, that people aren't having an opportunity to hear the gospel. So that's why I'm going, and I'm really excited that you guys are going to be able to partner with me and pray with me. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I'm doing. Uh, my job title is Frontliner, and so I'm um, even in the message series we're going through about it being a fight, it really is a fight. Um, and so just being on the front lines of, Um, where there's not, that just means it's like there's not an established church necessarily in where I'm working, and so I'll be developing strategy um, on the front lines where there is no current strategy in place. Um, And so I'll be using my passion for art to do storying, which is what it sounds like, storying the Bible. Um, And so um, through Hannah Designs, which are the temporary tattoos that are really cultural, they developed a way to tell Bible stories through those, so I'll be doing that. Um, and as well as teaching art in schools in the slums and doing illustration for children's books that will have Bible stories as well as discipleship among women and young girls and helping with teams that come, short-term teams like my team in uh, years back. And so I'm really excited about that. And um, the, since it is a battle and it is a fight, a huge way that you guys can partner with me in that is through prayer. Um, and that's a huge part of the battle, a huge part of the fight is in prayer like we talked about. Um, so... How you can be praying for me is favor and relationships with my partner, that we'd have a good relationship together as we work together. Um, And she's another young lady from CBU that's going with me. And so that we'd be able to have a strong relationship and push each other closer to the Lord and not let any, even like we were talking about today, the flesh and how we can be at war with our flesh. And so, and that comes in between relationships with others. And so that we would have the ability and the discernment to have a good relationship with one another and not let... Those things um, destroy the ministry or destroy the work that the Lord wants to do these next two years, and as well as favor with the team we're working with um, and favor with the people that we'll be meeting and trying to develop relationships with and share the love of Christ with, that um, that they'd be able to see Christ through us and that he would be glorified um, and not us. And that, that would be really clear and that, that we just have favor in that. Um, I'd also ask for prayer and daily discipline and motivation um, as we're talking about it being a battle and fighting. Um, and it has to consistency and um, just that I would be consistent in the discipline of scripture and memorization and reading um, and prayer and that um, I'd be motivated as well. Um, we all know that it's easy to just not have motivation to go do things, even here. And so there I know there's going to be a lot of days where I'm just not going to want to get out of bed and go uh, meet people or go do things. And so just for motivation in that and discipline. And then also the favor in the storing methods, um, that God will be glorified and that um, that I would have confidence in what he's doing and um, and that I wouldn't get in the way of how he wants to use me there in that in that way of sharing the gospel. as well as intentionality and time of preparations, Bruce mentioned that um, I don't go to training until July. And so I'll be home and then also serving on an ISP team before I go. And so just that I would finish well um, in this time of life, this season, and um, be able to, there's a lot of people I still want to invest in and share the gospel. And before I leave for two years, and so just that I'd be able to wrap everything up well and not feel like I'm not being present or just looking, but that I'll be able to look towards the future as well as be here and finish strong in the time of preparations. And, um, and as fears and doubts creep in that the, that, um, that the Lord would just be with me and help me to process that and to, um, take the next steps. So just prayer for that time of preparations.
2: Great. Thanks, Chelsea. Uh, we have a few, a, a stack of prayer cards on the back table for Chelsea. If you want to grab one and just put it on your fridge or something, you can just throughout the week think about her and pray for her as she's on her trip. Uh, right now we'll pray for her as a congregation. If you know Chelsea or if you're a friend or family, uh, come up to the front here and you can just surround her and have Aaron Wood pray for her. Um, anybody is welcome to come up and just lay hands on her as we pray.